this week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Jade Cargill talks about why she chose to leave AEW for WWE. Does Warner Brothers Discovery own a piece of AEW? Stevie Richards' YouTube critique of an AEW match was pulled from YouTube by AEW. And a drunken Ric Flair makes an absolute ass of himself walking off of a comedy show. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast, episode 91. We are on our way to that coveted episode 100. That is the goal, and we are inching our way ever so closely A wild week in professional wrestling, a big week in the wrestling world, two pay-per-views this week, all kinds of shit going on in the wrestling world proper itself, but lots going on in the podcast and YouTube world as well, and we'll be diving into that. I do want to draw attention before we get into any of the clips that I am so fucking close to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube that I can taste it. I can actually smell. I can smell. I can taste the 1,000 subscribers. I am over 900 now. So if you are within the sound of my voice and you are not subscribed to my YouTube channel yet, this is a call to action. Please. Help me take this podcast to the next level. Take this YouTube show to the next level. We are trying to get monetized. That way I can do more content. The more I can make money off this, the less time I got to spend making money off the shoot job. And I can just sit here and I can create content for the wrestling internet world And all will be right, and I will be a happy boy. So hop on over to YouTube if you're not watching there. Hit that subscribe button. If you are watching on YouTube, please, for the love of fucking God, why have you not subscribed yet? It doesn't take anything away from you. Hit that subscribe button, and you you don't even got to worry about me ever again. But YouTube could recommend future videos, and then you can keep tabs, and all is good in the hood. With that out of the way, though... Shameless plugs included. Let's go ahead and hop on in to our first clip this week. So I sat down to watch one of my favorite non-pro wrestling podcasts last night, Kill Tony. And imagine my surprise as the guest listed for Kill Tony this week was none other than the nature boy, Rick motherfucking Flair. And I was stoked. And I was tuned in, eager to see how the episode would go. And what would happen from there would go down and kill Tony infamy. 
For those of you not familiar with the show, Kill Tony is a stand-up comedy show hosted by Tony Hinchcliffe. You may recognize him as the guy who sits in on all the Joe Rogan pro wrestling podcasts. He's a big pro wrestling fan. He was there for the Hulk Hogan interview. He was there for the Kurt Angle interview. And, of course, he was there for the Ric Flair interview, which is where he became fast friends with the nature boy, Ric Flair. Well, look at Ric Flair. Look, Rick, you know what? He's living the dream. He He's still Ric Flair every he's day. Flair. He's just not wrestling in the ring. He's just doing it in the streets everywhere. You know? It Woo! is he's unbelievable. Like, tell the story about how you were partying with him the other day. Dude, so... <laughs> So he's in town, and uh, he hits me up on a Sunday at like noon. He's like, "Let's let's hit the streets tonight. Show me the city. Let's uh, have some drinks and pick up some babes." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> he, he goes, "I'm done with this comic book signing at 5 p.m." I'm like, "Sweet, I'll meet you at 5. I go to this hotel. I I say I find the first like security guy I know. I go, "Where's the bar?" And he points like that. It was just right over his shoulder. And I just see that white flanking hair. <laughs> yeah. And there are, on each side of them, three and three, just flight attendants, fucking <laughs> nurses. I mean, just a gaggle of geese. And I'm walking up, and I'm like, this is like what you, what I've heard about forever. I'm like walking up to like a music video or the story or the cartoon of Ric Flair. And sure enough, he introduced this. These ladies work at Southwest Airlines. This one's a this. This is that. And we, he goes, let's hit the streets. I'll get us a car. And uh, he gets a car. He gives the guy a stack of hundreds. He goes, you're going to be our driver for the day. <laughs> this random right. Uber driver's like, okay. <laughs> He's like, you're going to be our so driver. Money. Oh, it's unbelievable. And he is just the man he start. i mean he was already pounding vodka cranberries he's yeah. like what do you want to drink i'm like i'll have what he's having i haven't had a vodka cranberry since i was like 17 years <laughs> old and i swear to god we went all day we went from 1 30 to he didn't leave me until like 8 p.m he like knew his limit he's like i'm gonna get back he didn't seem drunk at all you he must what? have had 17 I, vodka cranberries. I, I, I think i think it's because he's drunk all the time. That's what I think. And he's so nice to everybody. There's a, there a part is, of me yeah. when you're, you know, when I, I've been around so many big people for so long where I'm like kind of, if they're with me, I'm like kind of protective. Like, come on, give them some air, this and that. But he was just embracing everybody. So cool. <laughs> so nice. And everyone's, everyone gravitates towards him. Walk he a loves flock of flame. Yeah. Rappers. He, or like talk I to heard, anybody. Yeah. 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 Walk a flock of flame. One of the good, great rappers shows up he goes yeah Rick I heard you were here what's up let's hang out <laughs> like people find out where he is and gravitate towards him it is it's everything you hear about so that sounds on brand for Rick Flair right they became fast friends so Tony said hey Rick why don't you come on by my show kill Tony which ended up being a huge mistake. Now, for those of you not familiar with Kill Tony, it's a stand-up comedy podcast hosted by Tony Hinchcliffe. He usually has guests on, other comedians, one or two. And they bring comedians. They have a bucket. They draw names out of the bucket. And they bring comedians who have entered for a chance to win the opportunity to come up on stage to perform a one-minute of stand-up comedy 
And then at that point, they are either uh, exposed to a whole world of opportunity. There's been people that have become regulars on Kill Tony from doing good. Uh, they've won opportunities to open up for Tony on his stand-up shows. Joe Rogan has even picked up people to take on tour directly from the Kill Tony show. So uh, if you do good, you have a world of opportunity ahead of you. However, if you do bad, you're probably going to get roasted. And apparently nobody gave Ric Flair this memo. And to make matters worse, there was a murderer's row of stand-up comedians on this show. As the guest was not just Ric Flair, but also Ari Shafir. One of my all-time favorite comedians, drunk, shirtless, and probably on drugs as well. Completely out of control and insane. Shane Gillis was on the show as well. Also completely drunk and out of control. As well as Mark Norman, Louis J. Gomez. I'm talking a murderer's row of stand-up comedy. And poor Ric Flair had no idea what he was getting into. And uh, he, he quickly made an ass of himself. He kept talking over Tony. He kept trying to be serious and stuff when it was obviously a comedy show. He was drunk out of his mind, had no idea where he was at. Um, but he did get the star treatment as he was brought out onto the stage to a hero's welcome by Tony Hinchcliffe, who is obviously a huge fan of Ric Flair. Check out this clip. And the first human being that I'm bringing up is not just any normal human being at all. In fact, he is your favorite artist, favorite artist. He is your hero's hero, literally. A childhood dream of mine and probably every man in this room. And if it's not one of yours, then you're probably not a real fucking man in the first place. I present to you the 16-time champion of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the nature boy, Ric Flair. But the fun did not last long as Rick quickly found himself to be in over his head and became quite offended by the way that these comedians were roasting these potential wannabe stand-up performers coming up to do their minute. Ric Flair made an ass of himself, and he got very indignant over making fun of the guests. And he stood up and protested. Check out this clip. Daniel, what would we have to do to convince you to stop doing stand-up comedy here tonight? How do we turn this into a retirement party for you? Because this is... It's a real retirement, not like some people. (laughs) They They don't... 
Nick Flair's asleep. Did he fall asleep? Oh, sorry. I don't know. No, sorry, he's on yeah. his phone. He's on his phone. Okay. He's, <laughs> he's like fun Joe Biden. He's scrolling. It's literally. He's scrolling the Breitbart app. I'm Teasers these days on their phone. Am I right, guys? Shut up, Daniel. You're not. You're not part of this thing. Uh, we just saw one of the worst uh, performances ever in the history of the show. Uh, Ric Flair, any I'm advice for Daniel Shepard? Oh, fuck, that's Ric Flair. God damn it. Fuck. God damn it. Oh, like you would have done good if you knew? No. <laughs> that would have done worse. God damn it. What did he say? What did you think that was your dead aunt? He said that. There's, there's something kinky about all your heroes you diminishing you, though, you know? I mean... Uh, kind of hot. I'm though, getting right? off on this. <laughs> yeah, this I get it. Cool. Thank you. No, you're, you're, hey, you're, you're not really you're incredible. Thank you. Hey, <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, guys, guys. Woo! I didn't even guys. mean to say woo that first time. Guys, I'm guys, just inspired. Shut up, Whoa. Daniel. Whoa. I want people to understand something. I'm here having fun, but as long as it's fun, it's fun. When it becomes, um, something that I'm not comfortable with and saying something bad, I don't do that. And the minute it goes that way, I'm out of here. Like so, sideways Asian no, no. pussy. <laughs> What's that? That's fun. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. That's fun. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That was my attempt to be humorous. But I will never, ever embarrass anybody or humiliate anybody. The minute that happens on this show, I'm out of here. You're not going to do that. We're going to no, do that no, for no. you. You're the good no, cop. No, no, Daniel no. Daniel just embarrassed himself. I'm not, I, I'm not the good cop. I respect these people. You guys get it? <laughs> you shouldn't. You have paid my... You have paid... You have made me who I am today. I'm not Thank here you. to fuck anybody up. I laugh. The minute one, someone says something disrespectful to me or to you, I'm out of here. We're not going to be disrespectful to you. We will make fun of these people no, no, that sign I'm, up for no, the show. No, I'm serious. No, we, we make fun you, of them. No, That's you guys are so nice. Look, at, the look at me. Yeah. Why can't, you, why can't you accept the word you're nice people? Yeah, you know what? It's not. Do you know how many people are bullied and hurt by comments? No, you get it. It's like a social media has made the world crazy. <laughs> I should, I, maybe I should have sent. I, I probably should have sent you an episode to watch before. Uh, we make you know, fun of people. Thank you, Ric Flair. It it's really good. Saved well, me I, don't, I don't make fun of people. You don't have and, to. And it, uh, I'm ready to leave in that one minute, guys. No, don't so leave. I love you. I am. Don't I am. leave, Rick. No, don't. No, hang you know on. No. I'm uncomfortable with the format. I appreciate the opportunity. No, it's come on, Rick. I no. will never, ever. Yo, you did so bad, Rick Flair. <laughs> Damn, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn. Nice go. Hey. Hey. There, hey. There, there, this is a there fever is dream. no humor in the world that makes fun of people. Uh, Guess what? I, I apologize. I'm not one of them. 
No, you're good. You don't have to. No, I'm not apologizing. I'm, I'm not an unusually you. horrible I will, bald I man. will have fun, but I won't make fun. Beautiful. Well, we got you covered. We've had this happen before. Good cop, bad cop. You're the good cop. Daniel Shepard is the bad comedian, and we are the bad cops. And that, my friends, is where things started to take a turn for the worst. Look, I thought everything was fine. Ric Flair's a little drunk, doesn't understand the format of the show. Tony's like, don't worry, we'll roast the guys. You can be the good cop. It's something that's happened on the show before. There's been other people on that didn't want to make fun of people. So we figured that this would just be, you know, how the show would continue. And that Ric Flair would chime in with his thoughts here and there. Um, but unfortunately, with the murderer's row of other comedians, it started to stir them up a little bit. And they started to smell blood in the water, if you will. So they started to poke the bear a little bit. And they started cracking jokes and pushing things, which led to this moment here. Check out this clip where Ric Flair finally stood up, had enough. I'm walking off of this show. Check out this clip. You are here with Ric Flair. You are a yeah. wrestling coach. Uh, how does it feel to uh, have a performance like that in front of Ric Flair? Fuck. Uh, no, hey. Um, actually, to be honest with you, I respect that very much. My son was a great amateur wrestler. And um, this is why I'm going to make this. This is, this is why. Come here, guys. This is why I'm leaving after I say this. No, 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 stop, stop, no, 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 no. I have more respect for people that take their time to support any youthful athletic event. My son was a great amateur wrestler. He died of a heroin overdose. Oh. And to his own 13. I know. I don't hear that. I'm over that. But anybody that could take time away from their life to support kids and make them better, because I can tell you right now, from personal experience, and because I believe in my heart. You ever had Asian You're pussy? Right. <laughs> I guess that's funny. What are the what are the ages of the uh, people that you're coaching, guy? Uh, it's it's high school age, so ninth grade. Rick, don't leave. Are you really leaving, Rick? Don't do it. Oh no! Thank you for all the respect. We lost Rick Flair, everybody. I love you, Rick. Thanks for doing this. I'll see you afterwards. No, you're good. You're good. We love you. Make some noise for Rick Flair, everybody. Come on. Thank you all for all the respect. But I, I'm, I will never sign up to make fun of people that donate their time. I won't. Oh. I Look. swear to God, I respect you all and thank you for coming out. I can have fun. I will never make fun of time of people that donate their personal time to making children better. Ric Flair, everybody. The legend, the nature boy. Come here, Shane. Get your sweet ass over here. Come on. The great Ric Flair. Can you uh, make sure he gets yeah. wherever he needs to be? Yeah. Woo! What? <laughs> yeah. 
Which one of you motherfuckers played that music? It was uh, that was John Deeves <laughs> over yes, there. Dude, that uh, was the guy that was. That was the guy that was. Late. Which one of you monsters? Late. Beast. All right. Okay. Thank you. Sit Beast. down. Sit the fuck Shit, down. Dude. Jesus Christ. Tony, Rick Flair yeah. has a point. This show is demeaning. It really is. <laughs> so Rick Flair being inspired by this aspiring shitty comedian's day job of being a guy that trains kids how to wrestle related it to his own son who used to be a wrestler, don't you know? And it tugged at Ric Flair's heartstrings, and he had enough. He could not make fun of this guy. He could not stand for it. And he walked off the stage indignantly after giving everybody a piece of his mind. Which completely embarrassed him in front of this crowd and led the rest of this murderer's row of comedians to have a little fun with Ric Flair at his expense after he left. Check out this clip. Jesus yeah, fucking no, Christ. For fun, I like... Oh, liked... there goes the black guy now, too. There we go. Just, everybody's slowly leaving. This is like a reverse Royal Rumble. There goes Ric Flair in the number one spot, a black athlete in the number two. Every 60 seconds, another person leaves. We have a young Roman Reigns here, ready to go at any point. Okay. Tony, Tony's mad at me. Come on up. No, I'm not. Let's not make that the theme. We have a I'm format not, on this I'm show. Yeah, Lewis, fine, 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 oh, fine, my fine. God. I, was, I wasn't making fun of Ric Flair that much. I feel like we were mild. No one even knows that that's a fucking thing. I didn't ruin it. The piano guy ruined it. Piano that's guy it. definitely ruined it. Piano guy ruined it, dude. Let's move forward. We move forward here. I'm the boss. We're moving forward. That's a legend to mock him to his face like that awesomely. <laughs> out, out of line. Yeah, he was just talking about his dead son. Oh. You know. Oh my God. We are torching bridges here today. I think that podcast is never going to be rescheduled at this pace. So. <laughs> guy, you will always be known as the guy that was on this stage when Ric Flair left. There was a lot of, a lot of moments where it almost happened. Good job, guy. Don't make a big deal about coaching kids and wrestling next time. That really fucked everything up. Yeah. Here's a little joke book. There you go. Guy hurt everybody. Oh, my God. Oh, it was so much better Jesus when Rick Flair was here telling weird stories. Do Rick Flair sucks. Yes. Yes, it was. Lewis, Rick Flair sucks. Rick Flair sucks. Oh, okay. Thank you, guys. Come on. That's good. His son got out easy. So disappointed how much he sucks. I wanted to love him. I wanted to love him. <laughs> Everyone here was like, ah, fuck it. Don't meet your heroes, you know? Now look, some of you might agree with Ric Flair. You might be offended by this kind of comedy. And look, to each his own, I understand. Some people like this kind of comedy. Other people are huge pussies. I understand that. I am not here to judge. Uh, but clearly somebody did not pass along the memo to Ric Flair what exactly kind of show he was getting himself into. Because that's what roast comedians do. Especially those that hang around the Kill Tony crowd, uh, the Joe Rogan crowd. These are some dirty comedians. These guys have no limits. There is no place that they won't go. As Ric Flair's, the death of Ric Flair's son by heroin overdose 
was a reoccurring theme uh, of jokes at the expense of Ric Flair after he left. Uh, Look, man, it is what it is. Ric Flair, in my opinion, embarrassed himself here, made an ass of himself. He didn't have to participate in ripping on anybody or making fun of anybody. Uh, All he had to do was sit there and laugh and be the nature boy, right? Throw a couple woos out there. Would have been a great night. Instead, he had to make it about him. He had to get offended. He had to stand up on his pedestal multiple times, try to preach to the crowd, try to explain how it's not right to make fun of people. He's scolding the crowd. What do you people not understand about being nice? I don't know, man. You're at a fucking comedy show. Relax. Drunk off of his mind, was falling asleep half the time he was there. Comedians called him a fun Joe Biden, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) This was just, this was an incredible, uh, an incredible, I don't even know how to describe it. An incredible turn of events, I guess, is the best way to describe it. All of these comedians up there with Ric Flair, I didn't, I did not think Rick was going to get that uh, touchy and offended, but I think he embarrassed himself. I think, uh, you know, nobody thought highly of Ric Flair after that. I think he kind of lowered his stock with everybody involved there. You know, it was, uh, it was several people that said, don't meet your heroes after that. Um... I don't know what Rick was thinking other than he was drunk, um, didn't want to get himself caught up in any kind of scandal or get himself in any kind of trouble, didn't want to be tied or associated, didn't want the clip to get out there of, ooh, look at Ric Flair calling this guy a fucking, you know, making fun of this guy for whatever reason. But unfortunately now Ric Flair's appearance will be remembered for something else entirely different. And I think he's lost a lot of cool factor points, in my opinion. Look, roast roast battle comedians are, it's it's a different breed. It's a different thing. Uh, Maybe somebody should have gave Rick a heads up and told him what he was about to be getting into. I don't know what kind of stand-up comedy Ric Flair enjoys. Uh, He must like the Jeff Foxworthy brand of stand-up comedy. The Dane Cook brand of stand-up comedy. The real PG. Maybe he likes the puppet guy. What's that guy's name? The the puppet guy? The guy with the puppets? Maybe that's his style of stand-up comedy. I like the shit that goes for the jugular. I like the ruthless shit. I like the dirty shit. I like the stuff that has an edge. That pushes boundaries. The kind of stuff that you would find on a Kill Tony from an Ari Shafir or a Shane Gillis. These are my kind of guys who just continued to bury Ric Flair after he left. Ah, it was so great. It was so great. What a moment in Kill Tony history. And uh, what an embarrassing, in my opinion, moment for Ric Flair. But look, that's the beauty of this kind of thing. Some of you are going to see this a completely different way. Some of you will see the, the, the comedians as embarrassing. And shameful in that Ric Flair did a good thing by standing up for himself and walking out and 
preaching to the crowd about how they're all going to hell. He didn't quite say that, but he made them feel that way. He made them feel bad. Got the lecture by the stern old man. I haven't seen a lot of Ric Flair lately. Rick hasn't been doing his podcast as of late. I'm good, glad to see that he's still in good health. I was a little bit worried about that, but God damn, man, take a fucking joke. People that can't take a joke are what's wrong with today's society. That's where all these Karens come from. That's where all this cancel culture shit comes from. You are personally offended, so you have to burn everything down because of it. Some guy said a joke you didn't like. Cancel him. Burn him at the stake. It's a joke. Stand-up comedy show. It's meant to push buttons. It's meant to push boundaries. It's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. If you don't like it, don't watch, don't listen. That's fine. I understand it. And maybe that was the whole problem with Ric Flair. He's just not a stand-up comedy guy. Not his scene. Not his style. And uh, just felt uncomfortable. You could tell he did. He was texting on his phone when he wasn't sleeping. He was not listening. He was not paying attention. He was not laughing at anything. He looked like he was annoyed to be there from the very beginning. Which, fine. You know, if you didn't want to be there, don't be there then. Don't tell Tony that you're going to go there and fucking hang out. I mean, Kill Tony is a huge, huge, huge show. I mean, they sell out to thousands every single night. So uh, every show that they do, that is. So it's a big, big deal. It's a big show. It has a wide audience. And uh, apparently, unfortunately for Ric Flair, that wide audience was introduced to a version of Ric Flair that they never thought they would see, that they never thought they would hear, the angry offended, touchy old grandpa, the uncool guy, the preachy, awkward, drunk guy that talks over everybody and makes a complete ass of himself. But look, that's just my thoughts. That's just my opinion. What are your thoughts on this segment? You can check out the full episode of Kill Tony that Ric Flair was on in the link down below in the description. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Did Rick make an ass of himself? Did he embarrass himself? Or should these comedians be ashamed? Be ashamed of themselves for their naughty content. Let me know in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Well, the last time that we talked about this, it was merely speculation, but now it has been made official. Jade Cargill has signed with the WWE, the official press release over here on Twitter. Breaking, Jade Cargill has signed a multi-year contract with the WWE as first reported by ES. PN. Triple H added a dominant athlete who's here to change the game. Join me in welcoming the newest WWE superstar, Jade Cargill, to the WWE universe. This is a big deal. WWE rolled out the red carpet for Jade Cargill, and this was 
all the rage. This made huge headlines. This was on ESPN. This was instantly a big deal. For more on this, as it was announced, let's check out this clip from Sam Roberts. Former AEW champion Jade Cargill signs with WWE. Cargill, who is AEW's longest reigning TBS champion and appeared on AEW television as recently as two weeks ago, will start with WWE on Tuesday at its performance center in Orlando, officials said. Uh, It is unclear, the article continues, if Cargill will go straight to the WWE main roster or if she will first perform for its developmental brand, NXT. I have a lot to say about that. Uh, Cargill, 31, has been wrestling professionally for only two years. Her in-ring debut came in AEW as part of a high-profile mixed tag team match in March 2021. She teamed with NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal against Cody Rhodes. I think that Jade, of all people, is aware of how she can improve. I think the reason this move is being made, people are going, well, this is a money move, right? I don't think it's a money thing. I think that WWE is in a position now, especially with Endeavor, where they are able to say, you are incredible. This is what a star looks like where you are. This is what a star looks like where we are. I think that that. Jade is aware that she has the potential to become a household name. And I have always thought that Jade had the potential to become a household name. I've been on the Jade Cargill bandwagon for a long time. I think WWE is required to make Jade Cargill a household name. Jade Cargill officially now signed to the WWE and as far as we are aware, she is able to debut tomorrow, a week from now, the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, the night after WrestleMania. I would expect to see Jade more imminently than that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think a good spot for her is to maybe go after Becky Lynch's uh, NXT title but maybe not be on NXT. We can talk about that more later. But one person who was not too thrilled, or at least said that he was, but really didn't sound too thrilled, was our good old buddy, Mr. Tony Khan. Tony Khan did the uh, obligatory media press conference on the phone talking about the Wrestle Dream event coming up. And uh, one of the... Uh, picky, pokey, nosy media people asked Tony Khan flat out, hey, bro, how do you feel about Jade Cargill going to the WWE? Here's what Tony had to say or not had to say about it. Check out this clip. Uh, This morning, there was a big announcement from WWE about Jade Cargill coming in, and we know that for a long time, Jade was a major project in AEW and had one of the Longest title reigns that your company may ever see, quite frankly. I would love to have your honest thoughts on Jade moving on to WWE and how you feel you guys in presentation of her. Uh, I have only positive things to say about Jade. It's been great having her in AEW. Uh, She's always welcome here. I think uh, she's had a great run with us and uh, has... 
a great career, I'm sure, in front of her. Uh, you know, we're wishing her the best in the future. Thanks. So we heard everybody recklessly speculate when the news dropped. And we heard, of course, what Tony Khan has to think about it. Kenny Omega put a tweet out asking us, can't we all just get along? No. No, we can't, Kenny Omega. We can't get along. We've heard from everybody. But now let's listen from the girl, that girl, that bitch herself, Jade Cargill. And then I will go ahead and give all of my thoughts on the back end. This was Jade Cargill sitting down with ESPN. Mark Ramundi, that guy, the guy that does the wrestling stuff over at ESPN. They gave her the red carpet treatment. They gave her an official announcement on ESPN along with an exclusive interview. Check out, oh, and Jade doesn't hold back. Check out this clip. WWE's newest free agent signing, Jade Cargill. Massive get from AEW for WWE. It's your first day. How's it going? How's how's everything down in uh, the Performance Center in Orlando? It's going great, Mark. How are you doing? And thank you for breaking the news. I appreciate that. <laughs> you did an amazing job doing that. But it's been great. Um, it's very welcoming. Um, a lot of people want to know, like, uh, do you know if you're going to start in NXT? Are you going to be main roster? Has that been fully hashed out yet? It has. And guess what? Everybody's going to have to tune in to every network and see mm-hmm. where I'm going. You know, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to stir the pot and to get people guessing where I'm going to be. So just tune in. Why, why the move? Why, why WWE and why now? The leadership. I mean, Paul, Bruce, Dan, and Nick. I mean, you can't get any better than that. And I'm the first signing under the TKO umbrella. I mean, there's so many different things. Where else can you go to get the best quality training? Nowhere else. The PC here is is one of one. There's nothing else like it. Um, the the machine is behind you. The platform, um, just the overall history, the legacy. I'm creating a household name. I mean, I can go on and on. I mean, why not? The question more so is why not? What what happened with AEW? Can can you just take it through that through that process of why you left? Nothing happened with AEW. You know, they're still them. They're still a phenomenal company. Um, it's just I wanted to create something that nobody else can do. And in, where else can you create that leadership role? Where where else could you be a household name? Where else can you create that legacy? I want to be in the Hall of Fame. There is no other place. I wanted to be at the PC working my butt off and working with the best trainers that wrestling has to offer. You know, I worked with the Daniel Bryans, like phenomenal guy, phenomenal, you know, um, but he came here. Right. So I thought that this is a no brainer. I thought that I could couldn't get any better as far as in the ring than to come here and to join a mega company. My beard is looking scruffy as shit. My hair, too. Like, as I look at it in the camera, in the monitor here, that's what I'm looking at over this way. It fucking, it's bugging me. Probably going to shave it soon. Jade Cargill, not short on words. She said, like, look, man, this is where I want to be. This is where you need to be if you want to be a household name. Obviously, those were words that that had to have been something that was pitched to her because she said it like twice in this interview. You know, this is where you go to become a fucking megastar. You know, that was the pitch. 
And she's got all the corporatisms down already and everything. She'll be saying universe before you know it. If she didn't already, I didn't catch it. Uh, but look, she's already saying, you know, hey, Tony Khan was cool. But, uh, you know, this is where it's really at. And why did I want to come here? Because I want to be the best. I want to be a household name. I want to learn from the best. Where else could I possibly do that but the WWE? And she's right. That's not a wrong answer. She was never going to get to that next level, that next that she's never gonna be a household name. She's not gonna be a movie star or a megastar. At least her her trip is gonna be a lot harder through AEW. Not that AEW doesn't have the exposure, the money, not that they're not a major league because I consider them to be uh, but they just, they don't got it like WWE's got it, right? And then she's all on a first name basis. She's like, look at the people I get to work with. Paul, Bruce, Nick, some other guy. I don't fucking know. I didn't recognize that name. She's just buddies with all these people. And what did I say last week? I said, can you imagine a Bruce Pritchard getting his dirty fucking paws on this girl? Mm. Can you imagine? Not in a sexual way, you freaks. I'm talking about creatively. Triple H. I think this is going to be a pet project for Triple H, even especially. She seems like Triple H's kind of chick. Not just because he used to fuck a girl that looks a lot like Jade. Um, but just the fact that this is this girl was made to be a WWE superstar. And it's not just her look. She, I mean, the look, it's a, the cliche thing. You always used to, JBL always used to say it on commentary. If you want to build a WWE superstar, that's more of a JR, isn't it? It doesn't matter. It's all a bunch of rednecks. If you want to build a J- <laughs> I just lost so many subscribers. I'm sorry. I love you guys. I'm just playing with you. We're just having fun here. If you were to build a WWE superstar from the ground up, it would look like Randy Orton. No, it would look like Jade Cargill if you were going for the female persuasion or, you know, however you want to term it in this day and age. But Jade Cargill's it, right? Like, she's your creator wrestler on fucking WWE 2K. If you're creating a female wrestler, she probably doesn't look too far off from Jade Cargill. She's a real-life She-Hulk. You ever see the comics of She-Hulk when Jade came out in the She-Hulk gear? It's because she looks like the fucking She-Hulk. She's a beast. This was the 1970s, and Lou Ferrigno was playing the Incredible Hulk on TV. Jade Cargill could play She-Hulk on TV. Just paint her green. That's it. That's all you got to do. She's a megastar. Not only that, but the way that she talks to me, did you see the way that she handled herself with this ESPN interview? She probably was sitting in a room full of WWE media people. WWE media people always listen in on these calls and shit now. Um, they were, have been for a while. So, like, she's already in that spotlight and already getting the media training. She's a fucking animal. She's going to be a megastar in WWE. Uh, Sam Roberts said on his show, which I thought was quite funny, to the people who say, oh, she's green or she's not that great of a wrestler. He's like, so what? Who cares? And, and that has never been the case more than with Jade Cargill. 
She screams WWE superstar. So I get why they're rolling out the red carpet for her. And I think she deserves it, even as far as uh, maybe a half a year back or further back than that even. Um, I did a video on here kind of doing a fantasy draft. I think it might have been in all the way back in January. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, but I was plotting out a, a fantasy draft. Like, uh, you know, hypothetically, if they were going to work together and, you know, so many people would go from WWE to AEW and AEW to WWE, who could they be and why? Who makes sense? Who would be a good fit? Who needs it? And Jade Cargill was always at the top of my list. Every time I talked about her, I was like, this girl needs to be in WWE. She's going to be a megastar in this business. It did not take long for me to get on the Jade Cargill bandwagon. I saw her with Shaq. She was kind of a shitty wrestler. It was kind of like, and she was getting that big spotlight. So she got a kind of a, who the fuck is this chick? And she did that thing where, didn't she come up and like palm face? Sorry, I got some shit in my eye. Didn't she come up and palm face Cody Rhodes? Is that who it was? And then that made Brandy go all ghetto bitch on her and stuff. The baddies. But Jade is going to ascend to the next level in the WWE. This is going to be completely different for her. She's going to get that polishing now that she can only get at the WWE. You can like AEW better all you like, but you can't look at anybody with a straight face and say that Jade Cargill is going to become a bigger star in AEW than in WWE. That AEW can polish her better than WWE. It's impossible. They have the history. They, they've been doing this for so long. They are a star-making factory. She looks like a star. She talks like a star. She carries herself like a star. It's not like, oh, she looks got a great look like Omos. Oh, he looks good, but he can't really talk that good or whatever. No, no, she can talk. She can talk trash. She's a natural heel, even though you will tend to like her when you listen to her over long form. I sat and listened to her talk on podcasts for like an hour. This girl can fucking yak. She can hold the room. And she comes off as super likable. I was team, Ch- team Jade Cargo very quickly, despite her being green, despite her not. I, I don't build my fandom around... Is this person a great worker in the ring? That's something I like. Like a Brian Danielson, I look at and go, that guy is like the greatest wrestler on the planet right now. Bret Hart, historically the greatest wrestler, in my opinion. Let's not start a riot in the comments over something that doesn't matter here. Brian Danielson was training Jade Cargill. AEW put a lot of stank behind Jade Cargill just to fucking wrap a bow around her and send her off to the WWE. It was such a bonehead move. I talked about that when this was a rumor. Uh, That was kind of my angle of this is that uh, Tony Khan's a fucking moron if he did not do everything he could to keep Jade. And look, Jade, maybe she was unkeepable. Maybe she just, I fuck that. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to WWE. I want to be a household name. I want to make that money. I want to get that polish. I want to work with those people. I want to see what my full potential is. I want a WrestleMania moment. 
And there's a lot of drama and shit going on around here. They treated Jade good. You can't say that they dropped the ball with Jade or that they did her dirty in any way, shape, or form. They gave her a fantastic jumping fucking liftoff into her WWE career. Where she's going to do phenomenal. Is she going to have shitty matches? Yes. Are people on the internet going to go, Oh, there's Jay Cargo, everybody's favorite. There's big star. She can't even fucking, oh, she dropped somebody. Yeah, she's probably going to botch some moves. She's going to have some shitty matches. But to me, she's shown the potential to get better. I don't think she's as bad as she was when she started. She's had some decently passable matches or moments in matches. Like, she doesn't, she's, it's not, she's not a dud. She's not the giant Gonzalez. It's not like, ugh, this girl looks like a fucking megastar, talks like a megastar, but can't work with a shit. She can be, she works okay. And in the WWE style, they're probably not going to need her to work as hard. She'll be able to get away with very little until she's able to learn to do more. And then she's going to showcase that in big high-profile matches with people like Charlotte and Becky Lynch and fucking uh, Bianca Belair and just Asuka. Fucking everybody, man. Stacked card of women's wrestlers over there. Jade's a megastar. She's a megastar, and anybody who doesn't see that or is saying that she isn't. But I got to tell you, I'm seeing most people are on the Jade Cargill bandwagon. Even, you know, people that I would see in AEW chats going, oh, she sucks. Now all of a sudden everybody just, oh, Jade Cargill, you don't say. Look at that girl. She's the next big thing. Yeah. We've all been saying that for years now. Basically, since we've laid eyes on this girl. Whoa. Who is that? And she's just... She oozes charisma. Oozes star. I'm, I'm done fucking... I'm, I'm done filleting her, though, at this point. So let's kind of talk about some different angles of this here. Uh, obviously, I think she... There was no keeping her in AEW. She was determined to come to the WWE to expand her career, and good for her, she should. As much as I love to see her in AEW, and I prefer AEW to WWE, I'm not so stupid to recognize that she is a WWE superstar. And WWE rolled out the red carpet for her. I don't expect this to be the thing for every AEW talent, though it seems like they're doing a decent little vignette for Brian Pillman Jr. too. They're putting effort into the guys that they do take away. Guys colloquially, you know, Jade, female, with all res- due respect. Um, but they seem to be putting the effort into the people that they do get, but not everybody's going to get the red carpet rolled out from them. I think they'll find out shortly that there's not a lot there with Brian Pillman Jr. He's athletic, but he's not the personality that Brian Pillman was. And I think there's a reason that he kind of fell off. Could they have done more with him in AEW? Sure. But I don't think he's like, oh my God, that was the next big breakout star. How could you drop the ball with him? No, I think... 
there's probably some reasons why he just wasn't being used like he could have been. Jade, on the other hand, <clears throat> they got to roll out the red carpet for her. They have to give her the star treatment. They have to treat her like a big deal. One, because they still want to keep WWE looking shiny to some of the AEW talent. They want to say, hey, look over here. See what we can do for you. Especially with MJF, the bidding war of 2024. They can lure away a couple other top guys, MJF notably. Ricky Starks is a name people have been throwing around a lot. Will Hobbs, another great WWE guy that could use some of their WWE polish. They got some Britt Baker. They got some talent over there that could absolutely be a huge fit, a huge asset to the WWE. They're going to push Jade to the moon. She's going to be a top star. She's going to, people are going to have to fight for their spots. Jade's going to have to fight for her spot. She's going to have to prove it. They're not just going to hand her everything like they did Charlotte. I mean, if she sucks or gets an ego or pisses a lot of people off backstage or whatever, I mean, she's coming into a stacked division and try, and she's, she's making room at the top of the card right off the bat. And, and, you know, she's got similarities to a Charlotte Flair and a Bianca Belair. So those two in particular should be concerned about a Jade Cargill. I'm sure their spots are fine. They're always, you know what I mean? But, like, she's the new shiny toy. Um, and I do expect to see other people jump from AEW to the WWE, especially with the star treatment. Look, man, they fucking, here's your ESPN interview. Here's this big, we're making a big deal out of you. She gets to keep her name. Ugh. This is nothing but good. This is nothing but good for the industry. Because, look, Tony Khan's going to get his, too. He's going to get Edge. He's going to get Mercedes. It's going to go both ways as long as AEW stays a solid number two and doesn't fall to like an impact wrestling level. You know what I mean? As long as they're not doing the fucking impact zone every week, they're probably going to be able to compete with the big dogs on talent. But WWE is always going to be the place, right? There's two, they're two very separate things. I almost wish they could merge the two and kind of be a blend of the both. And it would be like the perfect wrestling company in a lot of ways. WWE is the mainstream. It's the NFL of pro wrestling. It has all the big licensing deals. It has the name recognition to the point of people don't even call it wrestling. They certainly don't call it sports entertainment. They call it that WWE stuff. Some people still call it that WWF stuff. (laughs) So... WWE and WWE has the machine. They have the polish. They have the the corporate structure. You know what I'm saying? Like they are uh, a media juggernaut in that way. On the other hand, AEW just has fantastic wrestling, and it acknowledges the rest of the wrestling world. Where your Jim Cornettes can sit on his show and go, nobody heard a fucking. Uh, you know, whatever, insert New Japan pro wrestling name guy. 
Nobody's heard of that guy in the U.S. Nobody cares. Well, yeah, he's probably right for the casuals and stuff. But there's certainly an audience out there that loves all of wrestling. And AEW is serving that audience. There's your WWE mainstream cookie cutter, run-of-the-mill, polished-up, super shiny, overproduced WWE. And then here's some just the rest of the wrestling. We're the major leagues of rest of the wrestling. And that's just as what it is. Um, but that's going to handicap AEW. And it's going to cause them to lose all of their top stars. Uh, at this point, if Jade... The way that Jade sounds... And this could just be because now she's getting her paycheck from WWE. But she sounds pretty damn happy to be out of AEW. Uh, There's no indication that there was any heat or any kind of issues. Um, But you got to imagine if Jade had that response. Can't you picture an MJF getting the red carpet treatment, first of all, from WWE. Getting the ESPN interview. Getting the big press release. Getting to keep his name. Might even be able to keep his music. Because I'm pretty sure that that's some sort of like uh, generic stock royalty free type shit. Unless they make something new for him. But I mean he can pull a Cody and be like can I take my music with me? I I mean I can use it legally. Maybe. Maybe they'll make something new. But I can see MJF saying the same thing. He's going to get on his fucking ESPN interview or his Ariel Hawani or some shit and be like, look, man, WWE is the place to be. When you're a little kid, you grow up, you want to main event WrestleMania. All of this is true, but then there's the people that feel handicapped there and held down and they're not given the push that they deserve or, uh, you know, they don't get along with Hunter or they're, Vince's crazy ass doesn't like them and he's backstage changing shit and corporate this and all that stuff. That creates an environment for AEW to be a strong number two for all of those people. The outcasted, the disenfranchised, and the newbies coming up. And unfortunately... They're going to go through AEW to get the reps and get the exposure. And then they're going to go to the WWE. I can't see anybody being like, no, I'm a diehard AEW guy. I think that's going to be the people that left WWE because they hated it there. That are going to be diehard. Even a Brian Danielson who didn't hate WWE. He's got creative power now in AEW. Uh, he was noted as being a guy that could run the company if something were to happen to Tony. So he's that close to Tony at this point. And he loves to wrestle and he gets to wrestle all his Japanese guys and bleed and do all his crazy matches. So he'll probably be a lifer there maybe. But people like a Jade Cargill, people like an MJF, a Ricky Starks, a Will Hobbs, possibly a Britt Baker. And possibly others to come will find their limit, reach their peak potential in the AEW, and will seek to jump over to the WWE for that big megastar push, brother, brother. And don't think that Cody didn't help bring Jade over either. That's bullshit. If you think that he didn't, you're full of shit. 
He absolutely put that bug in her ear. Absolutely put the bug in, in Triple H's ear. And that's not to say that she didn't already see it or that he, Triple H wasn't going to already want her. But I'm sure Cody had dropped that. Like, hey, here's a handful of guys, a couple guys, a few people. If you are looking, if you ever get the chance, here's who I think you're going to want to take a look at. I'm sure that's happened. But even if it didn't, smart choice, wise pick. They're going to do some cool shit with Jade, and she's going to reach her max potential. And others are going to follow, and hopefully AEW can hold on while they do that. Reports are Edge is on his way in. Mercedes Monet probably as soon as she's healthy. So as long as they can kind of keep the door going both ways, you know, the shows will continue. And that's the fun of... You know, like the the Monday Night War eras, right? Nobody thought, oh, this is the death of WWE because Lex Luger is on fucking Monday Nitro. Nobody thought that. The Radicals, nobody saw that as the death of WCW. But it probably was. So is Cody Rhodes and Jade. Will MJF, when he jumps over, he will. He's going to jump over. Don't let him fool you. Because Jade fooled me. She did a whole fucking speech about, you know, like, I want to spend more time with my kid. I'll be busier with WWE. Uh, I got a good relationship with Tony. He takes good care of me. Let's move. The second she gets a chance, she's like, I'm out of here. But uh, I've yacked about this enough. I've addressed it from every which way. Actually, you know what? Uh, Let's finish this up by saying, where do we think we'll see Jade Cargill? Uh, you don't put her in NXT. I know I pitched that she could maybe go after Becky Lynch for that NXT title, but that doesn't have to take place on NXT. It can take place on Raw. It can take place on SmackDown. It could take place on NXT. It could take place in all of them. Apparently, Jade already has her assignment. She knows where she'll debut, when she'll debut, what show she'll be on. I do not expect it to be NXT. You don't take a big, huge star like that and put her on NXT. Skill level-wise, I get what you're saying. Yeah, she's got to learn a few things. Look, she can learn a few things in between coming out on TV and cutting promos and, and doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that in the ring. She can be out there every day training, learning. Spending her days off instead of being on the road doing house shows at the PC, learning. Bring her in for TVs. The rest of the week, she's at the fucking PC. At least through the rest of the year till WrestleMania season. Then you get her on the house show loops. See? See? That's how you do this shit. Jade's going to be just fine. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Are you already a fan of Jade Cargill? Did you have a similar experience as I did? Where you're like, who the fuck is this bitch? And now you're like, god damn, that girl's my bitch. Uh, do you, are you excited to see what she has to bring to the WWE? Are you mad that she left AEW? Are you a diehard AEW person where you're like, well, fuck her now. She's a traitor. Uh, Are you excited for the Monday Night War-esque back and forth that we seem to be getting? Let me know all of this stuff down in the comments below. It's, it's really just for the engagement. It's just to get, you know, people start talking. It helps the algorithm. I'll reply. It's just... More videos get shown. You get the point. Hit that subscribe button. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next.
Well, if you're like me and you believe every single thing that you hear and read on the internet, then for the last couple weeks you may have been led to believe that Warner Brothers Discovery could possibly own a piece of All Elite Wrestling. This is the rumor that has been speculated on and has been bantied about over the last couple weeks or months. Uh, This was something that I had first heard casually mentioned by Conrad Thompson. He was doing an interview. He was doing one of his shows with somebody, and somebody casually mentioned that they believed that Warner might own a piece of AEW, and Conrad said, that's right. And I don't have that clip here because I was unable to find and remember what show that was on, but I was able... I kept it in the back of my mind, and I didn't think much else about it, but thought, hmm, that's curious. And then I heard it again, and this time I do have the clip. This was Conrad Thompson speculating just briefly with Eric Bischoff as he filled in for John Alba on the Strictly Business podcast. Check out this clip. But I'm curious if you think there will be ripple effects in what might be an opportunity for a third wrestling organization or certainly AEW. I mean, I know there's lots of rumor and innuendo that perhaps Turner owns uh, a part of AEW. Nobody knows. It's not a public. I do. I don't have it written in front of me, but I, I will stake almost everything. I own the fact that discovery Warner owns 30% of AEW. I think that 30% number has been floated around on the uh, quote unquote underground railroad of the wrestling universe, if you will. Uh, so, I mean, that that's a number that's out there, but we don't know for sure. Um, so now I was really curious that really had my ears perked up. Now there's something to this, right? There's smoke. Is there fire to this smoke? I had to know. And I was not the only one who was curious about this as Dave Meltzer himself asked Tony Khan flat out at the AEW wrestle dream conference call media call thing that they did. And Tony Khan kind of danced around it a little bit and left some room for reckless speculation, which is exactly what we're going to do after this clip. Check this out. I was just going to ask you, I mean, one of the big questions and one of the big rumors going around has to do with the ownership of the company and WBD. And is there any negotiations going on or anything to, uh, do they own a minority piece or is there any negotiations going on in that direction? Uh, well, it's something we talked about a lot. Uh, there's been a lot of conversations about, uh, about that. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's always been something I've been open to, uh, and, you know, between, uh, Warner brothers discovery and myself, a lot of the financial and structural details of our partnership, we've been able to, uh, keep between us, but there are things I've always said to be true. I, that I own a hundred percent of the voting stock in this company. Uh, and that I have 100% of the decision-making power in the company. Um, and I've been open uh, to taking on additional partnerships or things of that nature, but we have a, a really great deal uh, right now uh, with Warner Brothers Discovery, and, uh, and I would love to uh, have an, uh, an even longer agreement. And uh, as for um, them and, and their stake in the business, I mean, uh, that is something that would be between us, uh, but I would also be open to that, to Warner Brothers uh, in, a, in a future deal 
having a piece or a bigger piece potentially. Uh, but I would always want to maintain 100% voting control as I have now and uh, want to maintain, uh, you know, the super majority uh, of stock, which I have now. So I think uh, these are things that are really important to me. Uh, but in a future deal, I mean, these are things, you know, I would be open to. It's not, there's nothing bad about it. I mean, we've seen in pro wrestling this year uh, a change of control. I have no interest in a change of control. Um, would I be interested in taking on additional investment? Yeah, potentially, but um, it would have to be at the right numbers and it would have to make sense for us based on how much our business has grown this year. Uh, but as for a change of control or giving up any of the voting stock, no, I have no interest in that. So Tony Khan not giving a straight answer there, and you feel like this would be an easy question to say, no, I am a 100% owner of AEW, but he didn't say that. He said he's 100% what, controlling owner? He has the controlling shares? And then he went on to say, but he would be open to... Warner Brothers Discovery owning a piece or a bigger piece of AEW in that he doesn't see it as a bad thing. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Tony Khan never answers a question straight, first of all. That's where the whole Ariel Hawani thing came from, is Tony famously dances around any kind of real question that any real journalist worth his shit would ask. I mean, certainly Tony will rant for a half hour if you're like, tell us about the Julia Hart, how much she's progressed and how well she's been doing with the House of Black. Yeah, he'll go on a half hour about that, but heaven forbid he answer a question about does Warner Brothers Discovery own a piece of AEW? But I think the answer is clear. It's 100% clear, in my opinion. He would have just said, no, what's the point of leaving that out there to recklessly speculate on if they don't own a piece of AEW? Now, how much? Where can we find that information? Uh, you know, I, I can keep digging. I can look into it, but God, I wouldn't even know where to start. How do you dig into if a company has invested a small chunk into a private company? That's That's... Uh, but they do seem to be on the AEW bandwagon, right? Uh, David Zasloff famously was the one who offered AEW another show on Saturday night, which everybody criticizes them about, oh, your low ratings and blah, 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 blah. First of all, this was created to appease CM Punk and to keep CM Punk a huge star on their channel. Um, but it was also a way to just have that kind of content with that loyal audience on a Saturday night. I don't think there was any expectation of it doing dynamite numbers. It's a, on a Saturday night. It's it's only going to do so well. I'm sure Tony was like, you know that WWE runs pay-per-views that night, right? And UFC runs pay-per-views that night, right? And people go out and they drink that night, right? And Warner Brothers, they're not dumb. They're like, yeah, of course. We know nobody watches TV on Saturday nights, but we want you on Saturday nights so that we can count on some kind of an audience every Saturday night uh, You know, that's going to make it appointment television. We don't expect them to be a lot, but we expect them to hold the uh, a certain 
spot. You know what I mean? They know what they're doing. I do think Zaslav owns a share. I think Warner Brothers Discovery has bought into AEW. And I think they're going to have a new TV deal out of it. Tony Khan said in this media scrum that he would even take a pay cut to fucking stay on Warner Brothers Discovery because he loves his relationship with them. Now that could just be talk. You know what I mean? He he, he could just be uh, leveraging for that deal, you know. But who's to say? Now there's rumors that uh, pay-per-views are moving to the Max Network, and that would be another big step. This was reported by uh, Andrew Zarian of the Map Men podcast, who had reported that this is basically a thing, that it's not announced yet. It can't be officially announced because it's not set in stone, Uh, but this is the direction that they're going. Check out this clip. But you know, pertaining to AEW Max. They didn't announce it because the deal's not final. But I, you know, this is just them preparing for this. I'm not sure if it's going to be included in that package. But if you're moving Bleacher Report to Max and AEW airs on Bleacher Report, doesn't it make sense that the pay-per-views are going to air on Max? You're not going to run two separate apps that have the same name or two platforms with the same name. You know, and here's the thing, right? AEW has had a monthly pay-per-view since June. Double or nothing May. Forbidden Door in June. What was July? Was there anything in July or no? Uh, July is usually Fight for the Fallen, and they have like a couple of gimmicky ones, right? Did they have They're a not July pay-per-views. show? No, they didn't have a they didn't okay. have a pay per view in July. Okay. No. So they had a pay per view in May. They had a pay per view in June. They had a pay per view mm-hmm. in August. They had a pay per view in September. They have one in October. They have one in November, and they have one in December. That's going to be airing, I think. December 29th? It's one of those weeks. I can't remember off the top of my head. They have, they've been running monthly pay-per-views the last couple months. I can't see them expecting people to pay $50 a month, or maybe they're waiting to see what that number looks like. And when asked specifically about that, this is what Tony Khan had to say about that on the media call. I am very open to uh, putting AEW events on a streaming platform, I think it would be a great thing. I think we're frankly close enough to the end of our media obligations here uh, and our uh, our current deal where it would that sounds like a new deal to me. And it's the kind of thing that would be uh, that would be part of uh, a new media rights package, and that would be great for us. So it's something I would really like to do. Um, it's outside the scope of our current contract, uh, which is, you know, for our live TV events and our uh, pay-per-view events. Warner Brothers Discovery is really excited about doing more events. And right now these are living on pay-per-view, but I do think there's great potential for all of our events uh, to live uh, on a streaming service. And right now, I mean, the, the top choice for that to me would be Max. I think uh, it's an amazing platform and we're working with Warner Brothers Discovery now. And I think there is great mutual interest in it. But uh, like with all media deals where there's mutual interest, there's a lot of work that would need to go into it to figure out uh, how that would uh, pay everybody. Because I have no interest in doing like a tryout, you know, at this point. We've been doing this for three and a half years. I'm not going to do a a six-month, nine-month tryout on streaming. I don't think that makes any sense for any of us. So, uh, you know, I think we built it to the point where, uh, there's a really, really big fan base for our major events. As we've shown this year, it's bigger than ever worldwide. 
they're going to get the next rights deal and it's going to include streaming and it needs to and look there's rumors that even uh tony khan's looking to buy new japan and by the time i get this video out uh you know the um pay-per-view is tonight as i record this by the time you're watching this you may already know what the big change in you know the new era in AEW is I don't think he's buying New Japan but I could be eating my words right now you're like ha you're so fucking dumb and idiot you're on because he announced on the show that he bought I don't think he's buying that now maybe he could be buying like New Japan strong right he could be buying into the American brand of New Japan but uh, he kind of alluded to that on the call too. Like he's not gonna debunk that because he wants people to turn it, tune into the pay per view and see what the big deal is. Um, but essentially, like, look, he's got a working relationship with New Japan already. He's already got access to all their talent. He's been had access to all their talent for a couple years now. So why? What would be the point of owning it? And I don't think Bushi Road, the parent company of New Japan and Stardom over in Japan, is selling it. But who knows? Stranger things have happened, and you may already know the result of that. Um, but here's the deal. Tony Khan could be working with New Japan to secure American streaming rights. And uh, buying up Ring of Honor uh, was to get the media. And, and you heard... Um, Sean Ross Sapp was talking about it on his show and he, he mentioned that the only reason that anybody would want that Tony would want to buy New Japan is for the video library I think and, and I had even speculated before that I think you'll see Tony buy up things like Pro Wrestling Guerrilla and other possible indie companies over time or at least make deals with them to stream their content, similar to what we had heard WWE was doing, and I think they had done for a little bit for like uh, a couple of the European companies, uh, Insane Championship Wrestling over there, and uh, what was the other one? Did they do it? Was it Rev Pro that they were working with? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But you get what I'm saying. Tony could be working some of that shit out on the back end to fluff up a streaming. That's what they need to do. They need to, their next deal, they're going to get the next deal because Warner Brothers Discovery owns AEW, owns a chunk of AEW. Not a controlling portion, I do believe Tony Khan there, but enough to have input. Uh, we've heard things like, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery wants more pay-per-views per month. And lo and behold, we've seen more pay-per-views, not per month, per year. Uh, from AEW and other things that they request they get. They don't have any controlling interest, but if Tony can please his masters, I think he will do that. So I think here's the deal that we have. I don't know if this was along with Collision or if it happened before that. But I think Warner Brothers Discovery, because we also, and I reported on this before, because everybody still likes to speculate, oh, AEW's ratings are dropping, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery's going to drop them, or Warner Brothers Discovery's going to go for WWE instead when their rights deals are up. No. 
Warner Brothers Discovery, I think, made a decision somewhere along the way that they were going to be in the AEW wrestling business. It fit their content a long time ago. I went over this. We're going to settle in. We're going to have a little talk here. Don't get, don't be so fucking antsy, dicks. I love you guys. Thank you for watching. I appreciate you. Hit that subscribe button down below. No, um... I think Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, I had talked about before that they're, they had made the decision to start seeking out content to build around AEW. So AEW was never on the chopping block. Things like Slap Fight, things like AEW All Access, these were things created by the network to come up with things that can play in and around AEW to keep those AEW viewers. Warner Brothers Discovery was putting a heavy emphasis emphasis in fandoms. That was one of their things. They wanted to uh, put emphasis on brands and properties that have fandoms. And they also wanted to put a lot of time and effort into non-scripted television, which is cheap and easy to produce. And they're also into in sports. They're in the sports business with basketball or hockey. So... AEW fits all of those categories. It's a little bit of sports. It's must-watch TV because it's live. So, like, it's one of those last things that you don't need to catch on streaming or that you can, but, like, it's better watched live, right? Because who knows what could happen, yada, yada, yada. You want to be part of that conversation. Um, it's, it's cheap to produce, AEW is getting a lot of money from from Warner Brothers Discovery, but it's it's cheap compared to producing, say, uh, you know, they can buy even even rights to things like uh, what's the show that's on the Big Bang Theory, like even the rights to that cost probably as much or more or comparable to what AEW costs just to get rerun rights to show friends is still making millions and millions and millions of replay rights. So AEW, look, new episodes every single week, even through the pandemic, they had must-see live TV, new run episodes, cheap to produce, as predictable and consistent as the sun coming up tomorrow they have been for the last four years. Consistent. They have big stars on their TV. They will continue to have big stars. They're going to bring in Edge. They're going to bring in Mercedes Monet. Warner Brothers Discovery is in the AEW business. So when they made that decision, I think they made the decision... Look, we want to go all in with you guys. We're going to support you guys. We'll give you more television time. We're going to market you. We're going to, and they have, you know, Tony Khan was just touting about how Warner Brothers did that press release on how big of an event Grand Slam was, yada, yada, yada. They're in the AEW business. I got a cough, excuse me. <coughs> no, I'm not going to cut it. Fuck that. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We're live, pal. We're not live. I mean, recording and I could edit it, but it doesn't matter. We're all friends here. 
So Warner Brothers Discovery is in the AEW business. They're invested in. That's my guess. I have nothing to back that up other than they've been solidly in the corner of Tony Khan. Tony Khan feels very confident in the relationship. He calls David Zaslav Mr. Zaslav. Uh, He's very subservient to the network. He owns controlling interests. So all final, every decision is Tony Khan's. Uh, but the network has a seat at the table, so to speak, right? To say, hey, have you guys thought about doing this? Maybe we could do that. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. And Tony, by all accounts, has been fairly receptive to all of their input because as long as they're not trying to book the territory, brother, brother, um, their input can be valued, especially if they want to be partners in this. So that's what that new deal, I think, if it wasn't in place before Collision, definitely I think when Collision was added, that was uh, Warner Brothers also buying into All Elite Wrestling and uh, having some skin in the game with it, which is not bad as long as they don't get to control the company and then there's a clause where, you know, if they decide not to renew or if shit goes south, that they can just revert that ownership back to Tony Khan or that goes up for sale as part of the media rights acquisitions deal. You know, if you want to buy, you know, our TV rights, you can buy into the company up to 30% or whatever was speculated to. I'm just spitballing here, but you can clearly see. I mean, all signs point to Warner Brothers being in the AEW business. They're going to renew their contract and their rights deals. They're probably going to put them on streaming. I would love to see their back catalog on streaming. So all past episodes of Dynamite, Collision, Rampage, Dark, Dark Elevation, Battle of the Belts, all the pay-per-views, the entire history of Ring of Honor, And if there was some sort of deal struck in any way, shape, or form with New Japan, possibly the American viewing rights of of New Japan, or, you know, uh, if Tony's smart and he does get a streaming deal, uh, it would behoove him to get other rights, like a pro wrestling gorilla and anything else he can get his dirty little grubby paws on. GCW, if or when that ever comes up, be a competitor to the WWE Network. That's something I had said before, too. The WWE Network owns most of wrestling history, but there's a cutoff. There's a hard cutoff after the Monday Night Wars, after ECW and WCW went off out of business. WWE doesn't own anything after that. They own their NXT and FCW stuff. And a lot of their guys come straight out of there, so they have a lot of that. But what about the guys that were in Impact? They don't got nothing on AJ Styles. They don't got nothing on, you know, uh, fucking anybody from Ring of Honor. There's that whole huge gap of talent that came from Ring of Honor, Tyler Black, all of them. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole huge gap in WWE's missing content library. Now, at the end of the day, when they end up buying AEW and owning everything associated with that, they will once again own all of wrestling. But right now, Tony Khan is in a position where he can theoretically kind of own all of modern wrestling. It's one of the perks where people say, oh, AEW is not competition. Not in the ratings, not even business-wise. They don't have all the international deals. They are not on the level that WWE is. But they have the money to spend that WWE has. Uh, 
so they can buy big contracts like Mercedes Monet and Adam Copeland, but they can also buy media rights. They can buy other companies. They can just outright the fact that we're even speculating right now. If Tony Khan bought New Japan, you're like, oh yeah, I mean that's possible. If New Japan's up for sale, Tony Khan could buy it. That's bad for WWE. He owns Ring of Honor outright, which was a, a great score, in my opinion. Um, say what you will about it. Say what you will about what's been done about it. But if Tony, Tony, if you're looking to the future, everything's streaming, right? Ring of Honor doesn't have a TV deal, but the, everything is streaming nowadays. So, yes, he's got the Honor Club. But if he can sign a new deal with Max with Warner Brothers Discovery to bring AEW content into Max, he can license... Now, AEW doesn't even own Ring of Honor. But he can license Ring of Honor to himself, to AEW, to have their content on Max. And he can do the same for Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, which I think doesn't Excalibur. Didn't Excalibur own a significant share of that company? There you go. Easy peasy. In the bucket. That's where the Young Bucks come from. All your California fuckers. Orange Cassidy is the Fire Ant guy or whatever. There's a lot of history in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla in AEW currently. Between that and Ring of Honor, fuck. And if he gets some sort of rights to New Japan, now that's a little bit more of a stretch. I think there's very little to that story, but fuck, you guys probably know more than I do if you're watching this after, uh, you know, Wrestle Dream happened. So I do think, just to kind of put a big bow on all of this, we'll wrap this up here. Warner Brothers Discovery, I do think, has a, an investing share has has a stake in the company of AEW. I think uh they see AEW as a property they want to be in the business of. Tony Khan is famous for saying that it was Warner Brothers Discovery that has sold him on the on the concept of being a competitor brand, a challenger brand, you always hear Tony Khan say. He said he got that from Warner Brothers Discovery. They don't want to upgrade to WWE. They like the idea of owning, basically having an ownership stake in the second biggest, uh, the competitor, the Pepsi to WWE's Coke, if you will. They like that concept, and then they can do whatever they want with it, and they have been. They can create content out of it however they want. You know, They can just say, hey, we want uh, a pay-per-view every month instead of quarterly. Can you do that? Tony Khan's like, yes, I can. I sure can. Hey, we want a bunch of content for our streaming service. Can you do that? Yes, I can. Hey, we want to run a special on this night. Can you do that? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I sure can. I can. Tony Khan's the man. Can you? And then all these like the Shark Week specials and the Winter's Coming and the uh, whatever the Dragon fucking episode. 
WWE or I mean AEW Warner Brothers they make a good teaming they make a good pairing it makes sense to me I expect them to get a big rights deal a bigger rights deal than they have now I don't think Tony will take that pay cut he was talking about I think it will include streaming and I think Tony will probably try to acquire or at least license other wrestling media to uh, be produced on. And I know uh, also as I record this, there was a big announcement between New Japan and MLW and CMLL. So, uh, you know, maybe New Japan's not going to be involved in this. But you get um, where things are going with this. I think it's pretty safe to say that Warner Brothers is in the AEW business. And they're smart to do so. If they want to be in the brands, look, they bought they they own Harry Potter, the rights to Harry Potter, they own the rights to DC, the Batman, Superman, all that shit, the Joker, Harley Quinn, they own all that shit. Why not also own their own wrestling federation comparable to the WWE? It's not the WWE, but it's a challenger brand. It has big stars, household names. It's on TV every night, does big arenas, does pay-per-views, gives us tons of streaming content comparable to what Peacock has. And as the years go on, people are more familiar with the guys that were in Ring of Honor than they were the guys that were in WCW. You know what I'm saying? So over time, the the content that Tony Khan owns is going to probably become more valuable uh, than what WWE has now, which is quickly becoming lost to history. WCW is now, what, 25 years ago? So it's kind of getting to the point where it's going to be 30, it's going to be 40 years ago. It's going to be old. Nobody's going to, it's going to be like the old territory shit, you know, all that back in the day stuff. It's going to fade into the past. And the guys you see on your current TV will be guys that have come from Ring of Honor and PWG. And Tony Khan will be there with that content on Max. Boom. But that's just my thoughts. We'll wrap it up there because I've kept you long enough. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. You think I'm full of shit? Tony's full of shit? Warner's full of shit? Do you think they are not going to get renewed because of ratings and blah, blah, blah? Punk's not there anymore. Or do you think, yeah, Warner Brothers is, seems to be firmly in bed with AEW and they have a good partnership going, a good strong brand to invest in and put their muscle behind? And carry into the next four years or whatever the TV deal's for. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Well, Big Stevie Cool Stevie Richards has one of the better YouTube channels going today. That's quickly growing steam. He's well on his way to getting that silver play button for a hundred thousand, yeah, hundred thousand subscribers. By the way, hit that subscribe button down below if you're watching on YouTube. Shameless plug. I know, I know, I get it. But Stevie Richards' YouTube channel has been blowing up. And if you haven't caught on to what he's doing, he's got the whole, like, Teletron thing behind him, that whole gimmick where he can color on it with the, with the pen thing, like John Madden, where he can circle it and draw the arrows and see this right here. And then he backs it up and to the left with the rewind. And he covers a lot of things, like he'll go over Bret Hart's 
fucking the the perfection that is the way that Bret Hart will deliver moves. But he'll also cover botches. Here's what went wrong. He's got a segment, what went wrong, and he'll break it down. Here's where some guy lost his footing, and then this led to that, and then they landed wrong, and ouchie. And uh, he's done it several times, both for WWE and AEW. He does it indiscriminately. It's not like he's picking on anybody. He's just out there as a fucking Monday morning quarterback coach replaying the footage. Here's what happened from my expertise and how this could have been prevented or changed or whatever the deal may be. It's a fun little YouTube channel. It's a fun concept for a wrestling show. But apparently AEW doesn't think so. As when Stevie Richards covered the John Moxley versus Ray Phoenix botch, where uh, Phoenix dropped Moxley on his head several times, twice with the power pile driver, and uh, the referee didn't count three, and that whole thing. You remember from a week, couple weeks ago, that whole controversy? Well, AEW has been going around pulling videos of this off of YouTube. And uh, Stevie Richards was a victim of this. He got a copyright strike. He got this manually pulled from... Actually, I'm not sure if he got a copyright strike or not. But he definitely got a manual claim on his YouTube channel. uh, Which means that... Uh, essentially, like it wasn't even found by the algorithm. Somebody that works for AEW found this video and requested that it be taken down personally. Uh, for more information on that, before we're gonna, before we hop over and check out the said Stevie Richards video in question, yes, I have it. Oh, I have it. I have it, and it's been being pulled off of YouTube, so it might get pulled here too. But I have a trick up my sleeve. You'll see. Uh, but before we get there, more detail on what exactly happened here. Uh, let's listen to James over at Wrestling Shoot Interviews explain it to Dutch Mantel on Storytime with Dutch. AEW and Don Stevens also targeted my fellow YouTuber Stevie Richards. What? Yep. Go ahead. And the uh, who did a breakdown of the uh, pile drivers that Ray Fenix did on John Moxley, and they were it was on a screen behind him. And as you know, I've explained this to you beforehand. Is like there's automatic like this content ID recognizers. So if we show like a piece of footage from WWE here, then content ID would spot it and say, hey, that video belongs to WWE, and then they'll do whatever they'll do. Where, uh, in Stevie's case, this didn't happen because this was a manual review or manual claim by Don Stevens, who sought out... What do you mean a, what do you mean a manual claim? She well, did it on her own? Yes, exactly. It wasn't an automatic process where AEW recognized, oh, that's AEW footage. Uh, mm-hmm. a, someone in AEW saw that video, made a manual claim, actually wrote into YouTube and said, we want this removed. And so Stevie in particular was targeted in that one, which is a bit ridiculous, especially considering that he has the rights to use bits of that footage, copyright footage for the review, uh, for the reasons of review, critique, criticism. Mm-hmm. And that falls under that remit definitely because he was talking about the move. He was, you know, going backwards and forwards, you know, rewinding, analyzing every what bit was, of it. What was the end result of that? They take it down? Yeah. 
They took did down, take yeah, it down. Took down the video, and they also, I think, tried to take down uh, his Patreon video, where because he because he's got a Patreon, Stevie Richards as well. Free plug for you, Stevie. Uh, f- with some extra like breakdown videos and um, reviews and critiques of moves and stuff like that. And they also how went do you, after his how Patreon. do you know so much about how do you know so much about this? And I know nothing. That's what I'm paid to know about, I suppose. I'm the YouTube guy. You're the wrestling personality with all the good stories. <laughs> I guess if that's the rules they can play by, I guess it's fair because it's not beneficial to their company at all. And they're looking at it, not necessarily through the fans eyes. They're looking at it through the sponsors lenses, how the sponsor people spending money on this show and they're seeing this thing on YouTube or they're seeing this uh, thing on Twitter that doesn't paint AEW in the best possible light. I can see that, but does it affect me? Eh, not really, but I don't know. It's either, I can't say yay or nay. I don't know. No. Is it? Um... I don't, I don't mind them for protecting their intellectual property, but again, you, you covered it. Hell if they didn't have so many botches, they would be no material for them to get. Yeah, legally, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what Stevie did. He is allowed to use that footage for the purpose of critique, criticism, review. Same thing I do by just playing you that fucking clip of James. I'm allowed to do that because I'm doing new content with it. I'm critiquing or reviewing or commentating on I'm presenting it in the form of a news story of some kind in a journalistic fashion, same way that Dark Side of the Ring is able to use footage of the Ultimate Warrior running down the aisle at WrestleMania 6 and fucking squaring off against the Hulkster because fair use, it's a thing. However, YouTube plays a little different. YouTube kind of plays by their own rules. They don't really go by what's legal. Uh, you can certainly argue these things and battle these things, but by then you've spent too much time on it and your video is, is it's old news anyway, right? So that's a quick way for like an AEW to just have it pulled down. You can dispute it, but by the time you get it back up, you lost all your whatever you were going to make off of it. It's not, it's old news. It's months later and, you know, wrestling's has moved on since then. It defeats the purpose, right? So AEW had this manually removed, and speculation was is that it's Aubrey Edwards who is actually out there under a fake assumed identity who is manually having these videos removed. She's out there scouring the Internet, looking to count the one, the two, and the three on YouTubers who are trying to See what I did there? I tried to be silly with it. Um, But I do have the footage. Now, I did have to doctor it just a pinch in hopes that Aubrey Edwards doesn't pull mine down. Right, Aubrey? I love you. You don't look like a horse. You don't. I think you're cute. Uh, But here's Stevie Richards on his show in the infamous clip that got his video pulled down where he went really kind of hard on on breaking down what exactly happened in this said botch 
And uh, where who who can kind of get the blame on this one? Because this, I believe, he was definitely concussed. Nice dive, but the way you landed, I mean, it's just one of those things that happened. I'm not saying that anybody was wrong with this, but look the way his head hit. I think the look on Moxley's face right here, the look on his face, either he's great at selling or he is out of it. And there it is right there. And the thing that makes this really, really bad, I'm really going to put, I'm going to do a rant on the referee as well, because this referee was also involved in another famous botch where Alex Reynolds was lifeless in the ring. Literally, he could have been dead. But they're dragging him all around the ring. They're working around him, taking bumps, doing whatever. And this guy is not stopping it. He's not protecting the talent from themselves. So this guy here, this is two major strikes against him. And you need to read him the riot act. If not, suspend, fire, fine, whatever you need to do to get the message across to this guy. I don't know. One, two. And this is where he doesn't move at all. And if I could play the audio, which I can, the crowd booted and crapped on it completely. The match is essentially over. The match is essentially over, but they violate something here that's Wrestling 101, where Moxley says, do it again. You can see him mouthing it right here to the referee in Phoenix. Do it again. The rule, Wrestling 101 or even more remedial than that, you don't go right back to the spot if you mess it up. In this case, you just should end the match. In this case, the referee should be told, count to three. If I don't get my shoulders up, it's my fault, not yours. It's my fault or whoever is being covered. If we don't kick out by three, it's our fault. Count every count like you're counting to three. That's been a rule in WWE for many, many years. And we have a lot of agents back there that were also agents in WWE. So I don't know what the hell they're doing back there except cashing a check. And what I heard is the undertale won't take advice. After a while, the veterans, the legends are going to give up, cash their checks, and that creates a very negative, toxic environment. So right here, he says, do it again. Now, now he could have a broken neck. He could have a broken neck right here, John Moxley. But look at Ray Phoenix. I'm going to lift him up by his neck and twist it, turn it. I just dropped him on his head. He's out from the dive earlier where he hit his head. But let me just do that again. Pick him up right here. And this camera angle is really going to show that John Moxley, boom, no space. That, that wide-legged tombstone should be banned. All pile drivers and tombstones should be banned. But look at this. Look at how compressed his neck is right there. You see what I did there? You see what I did there? Now, look, there was no audio to it, and you could barely see what was going on on the screen. So if that gets pulled down, y'all are just a bunch of pussies. You're a bunch of pussies anyway. Why have things like that pulled down? Let's do a dance. Let's do a dance. Oh, let's just dance. Oh, John Moxley might be in the hospital. John Moxley's out. Yeah. Oh, I'm having a great time. What the f***? No, let's do a dance. Everything's great. Everything's great. Look at me. Oh, everything's great. Oh, my goodness. Fucking idiot. 
you know, uh, Dutch Mantel had said on his show that like he gets it from the business side. It doesn't help their business. It could hurt sponsors, yada, yada. You don't want that kind of stuff floating out there. But at the same time, you can't control everything. And that was the take of Conan on Keeping It 100 as he gave his take. Check out this clip. I just can't wrap my head around that. What, what, Cody, would you get any comment on this? Well, it's almost a form of censorship, right? Um, I think that Tony, bro, I can't understand how he doesn't understand because I've sat with him a lot and he is bright, very bright. Um, I, how can he cannot understand that you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to control everybody says or thinks it's like, remember Meltzer's a lot of times has had a lot of, um, uh, words to say about AEW and not favorably. Okay, he had that interview with Ariel Hawani where Hawani was like, that was a terrible interview. You know, bro, at the end of the day, you can't control what everybody says, what they think. You can't censor everything. Just let it go, bro. You know, people can talk whatever they want to talk and it's up to you to prove them wrong and put up a better product. That's it. You know, you can't be going on there and be triggered by what this guy said or what that guy said. But I'm sure somebody brought the video to him. I'm assuming he didn't see it himself but however it happened bro don't you got more important things to do than worrying about what people are saying you know that's really funny coming from conan actually because speaking of the whole fair use thing one of the first things i ran into early on doing this channel the first bit of pushback i got on this uh was i actually got a comment in my comments from keeping it 100 i don't know who who it was on their page but it was their official youtube when i used their clip and they were like ask next time bro something like that and i just said no fair use i can use it if i want to use it uh that's what it is but like i said youtube does kind of play different and if you report it they'll take it down they're not gonna fuck around they're not gonna argue they'll just say oh you're reporting copyright okay i'm gonna take it down copyright claim whatever then you can go back and argue it later but like i said chances are by then your video is not relevant and is not gonna get the views and even then YouTube will play the game where they suppress it and stuff. I'll run into that. I'll run into things here and there where it'll get a copyright strike. Uh, my CoffeeZilla video, for example, recently did that. Uh, copyright hit on CoffeeZilla's video. And uh, it said there was no, you know, no effect. YouTube will do that. There's different, you know, sometimes your video is pulled down. Sometimes it, you get a strike. Sometimes it'll just say, oh, you can't monetize it. Other times it'll say there's no effect at all. We're just citing that this is technically our content. And that's what happened with that. But it also just completely kills. You'll notice you know, when you look at the back end on YouTube, anything that has a copyright notice on it doesn't get as many views. So they definitely kind of... Um, slow you know they don't show it to as many people a shadow ban if you will brother brother so poor stevie richards he did go back and he uploaded the part where he was kind of pleading with the referees to get their shit right you know he was kind of like hey man you guys got to be better about this and he's absolutely right 
Referees need to, they, they're allowed to be the bad guy. They are an official. That's my take on it. The referee is the official. And similar to the UFC, like the fans will get pissed if a referee stops in and stops a fight in the UFC, but that's their job. Yeah, the fans want to see these guys keep going at it. And sometimes the fighters will even get mad at the referee. What the fuck, dude? I wasn't knocked out. I can still go. And referee's like, no, dude. You're uh, you're seeing stars. You're not all there. I can see it because I'm trained to see it. I'm stopping this fight. Referee can do the same in pro wrestling. There's nothing wrong with that. They can take the heat. They're the official. They're not trying to get over. They're not trying to win fans and sell t-shirts. Referee Charles Knox, Mike Knox, whatever the fuck his name is. Mike Knox, that's the wrestler. It doesn't matter, whatever the fuck his name is. Referee Knox. That guy's a fucking idiot, anyway, to begin with. But, take the hit. Count the three, dude. First of all, it's a shoot. If the referee ever has to stop, and you see he tried to cover it by, like, Pretending that he could wave his hand under Moxley's shoulders. But the crowd was outraged instantly because they knew that that was a three. Don't ever do that. As a referee, you're killing. Nothing kills the business. Nothing kills the match. Nothing kills the suspension of disbelief more. It's horrible. That's a horrible botch. Phoenix could have won right there, and no one would have been any of the wiser. They would have been like, oh, wow, that was an upset. That was crazy, and then news would get out later what happened. But Knox blew it. Fucking blew it. And also, if you can tell that a guy is knocked out, even from the jump, even if it was right at the beginning where Phoenix did the dive off the stage, and you saw like before this match even gets going, you can stop the match. Stop it. Tony Khan needs to empower the referees. You will not get in trouble. If we have a match set that's good to go a half hour on TV, we'll book something else and we'll throw it out there real quick. You're not going to get in trouble for ending a match to protect someone's health. And as Stevie Richards say, says, you don't listen to the wrestlers are the last people you want to listen to when they say, I'm all right, let's keep going. Because they'll lie to you and they'll keep going until they die. They will. Poor Stevie had his video pulled. Hopefully mine doesn't get pulled. I don't like censorship. I'm not a fan of censorship. I think AEW's kind of being pussies to do this, though I do get why they do it. I still think it's a pussy move. I highly recommend checking out Stevie Richards' YouTube channel. It's phenomenal. He's got great content on there. All his reviews are really fun. (coughs) Excuse me. Battling, recovering from a cold. Stevie Richards, it's well worth. Well worth a subscribe over there on his channel. He's part of this new wave of YouTuber, wrestling YouTubers, doing it a little bit different, doing outside the box instead of doing the podcast format, the sit down and interview, the memory lane story time, 
they're going about their uh, YouTubing a little bit different way. Stevie Richards, big time in it right now. And another one is Maven. And that's one that we're going to talk about here in another clip. So check that out. I'll actually put that on the end cap if you're watching this video on YouTube. If you're watching the full episode or listening on the podcast, it will be the next clip. On to the next. So for those of you out there who are consuming the internet peripheral content in the world of professional wrestling, as I do, I'm sure you do if you're watching this video here, one of the huge new YouTubers in the world of pro wrestling, along with Stevie Richards and the fun stuff that he's doing on his channel, is our boy Maven. That's right, Tough Enough Maven. Old Maeve, good old Maeve, from back in the Ruthless Aggression era. Maven has his own YouTube channel now, and he's got a little bit of a different approach to it than we see with other pro wrestlers. He's not doing the podcast thing. He's not doing the shoot interview thing, brother, brother. He's sitting there, and he's doing really basic, like, wrestling 101 ask a wrestler general type questions and he's really blowing the fuck up and he had the chance to sit down i mean really blowing the fuck up like meteorically like i think he's already got a hundred thousand subscribers he's been doing this like two months three maybe he's growing quick for more on the youtube channel and the meteoric rise of maven Listen to Maven, who sat down and had a conversation with Chris Van Vliet about this very thing on Chris's podcast, Insight with Chris Van Vliet. Check out this clip. You are a full-fledged YouTuber now. I don't know about full-fledged. No, it is. on Your growth on YouTube has been insane. And congratulations. Thank you. You're not even two months into this, yeah. and you're about to get the silver play button, which is 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. You know you know, there's a prize, right? I, I know there's the a- The silver play button? Yeah, I know there's a plaque that comes with it. It took me, it took me seven and a half years to get 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. And you're gonna know. do it in two months. No one's more shocked than I am. Literally, you met the guy who runs it with me. Zach. When he uh, came to me with the idea, I, like I try to talk him out of it. I was like, listen, I was like, there's bigger names out there. And he explained to me, and he was right about one thing. He said, wrestlers use YouTube wrong, and it's an underutilized platform. And he, it's, it's a basically, here's the simple, simple process that we do. Most wrestlers make wrestling videos and put them to YouTube and then wonder why they don't do well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're Steve Austin, your podcast is going to do great numbers but for the most part there's so many podcasts and stuff out there he told me we're going to make youtube videos that deal with wrestling Mm -hmm. and at that moment that was our first zoom the light went off yeah so you're doing the reverse most people are making wrestling videos on youtube you're making youtube videos about happen to be about wrestling this fucking guy is on a roll Doing something where he's just sitting down answering the internet's most searched questions for pro wrestling. He's doing a very basic pro wrestling 101. And it's working for him huge. For an example of what this looks like, here's a clip from Maven doing the most Googled questions for pro wrestling. Check out these clips. 
Are WWE wrestlers actors? Would I consider myself an actor? The answer is yes. I mean, when guys go out there and they're cutting a promo and they're talking about how, you know, they're going to see somebody at the next pay-per-view and stuff, it's, it's all, it's all acting. I mean, are we Meryl Streep? Nah. Next, are WWE wrestlers athletes? You bet your sweet, yes. When do WWE wrestlers Find out who wins. When you arrive at the arena at one o'clock in the afternoon, you go to catering. Now, when you go to catering, you're starting to get a buzz. Some of the times, the production meeting isn't even completed yet. Guys find out who wins after the production meeting, after catering, and then they would put out what's called a run sheet. This sheet would actually show who was gonna wrestle, what order in the card you were going to wrestle, who your agent or producer was of the match, the amount of time for that match. So you might have Maven versus Stevie Richards, six minutes. And then it might say on the side, Arn Anderson. Then we would go up and Stevie and I would get together. We would go, we would find Arn. And at that moment right there, Arn will tell us who's going over. How do WWE wrestlers bleed. It's called a gig. What's a gig? A gig is a tiny little razor blade. A lot of times guys would tape it up and they would put it in their hand. I would always tape it up and put it in my wrist tape and then that way I could take one piece of tape off, grab it. We would take the gig out, you take it, you hit your head and then twist. It's going to open up your blood capillaries, they're going to pour out. A lot of guys, if they know they're going to get color for that night, they might take like a baby aspirin or something. Why? Because it thins your blood. The minute you gig, you're gonna bleed more. <laughs> I was allergic to aspirin, so my very first match that I had to get color was Taker, un you know, Undertaker, Royal Rumble. I told Taker backstage, hey man, I'm allergic to aspirin. I'm not gonna be able to bleed that much. That's when he had the bright idea of, let's take a couple, uh, couple shooters. And me being a Jack fan, him being a Jack fan, I was okay with that. Maven has a really fun channel. I see why he's blowing up so quick. A lot of the stuff that he's talking about is stuff we already know. Talking about how to blade. We know that. Why wrestlers wear underwear. We know that. Do we know that? Is that something we know? We know that. Now we just like to look at it, right? Sweaty guys all muscled up in their underwear. Mmm! Man meat. Slapping together man meat. Mm. That's why we watch. Don't lie to yourself. But, Ma <laughs> but Maven's got a fucking awesome thing going. Whoever sat him down, his guy, was like, hey, I got an idea. This is what's missing in wrestling. He's 100% right. Stevie Richards, I don't know if they have the same guy, but he's having similar success doing something outside the box. Something different than the, the normal podcast, shoot interview, insider baseball. And not, not to say that that stuff's passe or nobody cares about that anymore. Or it's just everybody does it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It gives me plenty of content. I like it, but like I watch it. But there's room out there for other things. You know, that's something that I sat back when I sat back about, you know, I want to do a podcast on wrestling. 
but what can I do that's different, right? Everybody does a podcast about wrestling. Everybody sits down and talks about, well, on Monday Night Raw, this guy faced that guy. How can I do different? Well, nobody is really talking about, and, you know, some people do, you know, when news happens on podcasts and in interviews, people cover it. But to specifically focus on the podcast and YouTube shows and the shoot interviews like I do, it's it's a niche, um, but Stevie Richards, he's found his niche. He's doing great things with his, you know, breakdown videos. And then, uh, you know, fucking Maven with his one-on-one type videos. Ask a wrestler basic questions. He really dumbs it down for people. And it's clearly working well for him. And props on him. And look, Maven, to me, I don't know if he's just slept on as a talent you know, one thing he talked about with Chris is one he, he was never able to escape being the tough enough guy. He was never able to transition his character into something else, and he thinks that that's probably why his career never panned out. But I think, look, Maven can talk like a motherfucker. He's charismatic. He has a little bit, even though he's nice, he seems like a good dude. There's also, you can see there's a little bit of a natural healness to him. I think, you know who he reminds me of tons? Adam Pierce. And I think Maven could make a hell of a general manager. And I'm not the first to come up with that. I think even Chris brought it up in his interview with Chris Van Vliet here. Um, but I've heard other people say it. I'm not taking credit for that idea. But when I did see someone else raise that point, might have been in the comments of a YouTube video, genius. Maven would make a fantastic general manager. He could have a whole new run in wrestling as the authority figure of some kind. And I don't mean like, you know, Eric Bischoff authority figure. I mean, or Teddy Long. I mean, like Jack Tunney, like once in a while. Maybe an Adam Pierce at most, you know, uh, or a William Regal at most. Uh, the casual authority figure, the guy that just has to come out and make matches and set things straight. It could be an AEW. They could use a, a, a guy like that. He doesn't need to come out and start every show. He doesn't need to interrupt every segment. He doesn't need to be a heel trying to make the baby face's life a nightmare. He can just be like a guy that comes out instead of Tony Khan when, hey, the titles were vacated. They were stripped. We need to have a tournament now. He could be that guy. Jack Tunney in the old WWF days, man. The president, Jack Tunney, when he came out, shit was about to go down. Right? Maven could do that. He's got a full shoot shoot job. He works on Wall Street, I believe. Um, but, you know, he could be flown in for shots here and there. Absolutely. And he's got his YouTube shit, so he could even do, like, video Shit, you know, he could even film it, like, from his home with, like, they could just send him, like, an official AEW backdrop or some shit. There's a lot of things that could be done. So, uh, I think Maven has a per Look, as far as his YouTube channel goes, I suggest everybody go subscribe to it. Check it out. Follow it. Now, you know, like, you're going to know a lot of this stuff. He's talking down. He's dumbing it down. You're going to know all this, but a lot of people don't, and that's why he's having so much success. He's reaching that 
beginner entry level, slightly vaguely curious. He's reaching the people that don't know what a gig is, right? People don't know, oh, wrestlers blade themselves? That's insane. He's reaching those people. But it's fun. You know, you get little gems like he talks about, you know, his first pair of boots was given to him by Triple H. For all the things we hear, bad things about Triple H back in his heyday when he was on top. And that was certainly during that time. Dude gave Maven a pair of his fucking wrestling boots. His first wrestling boots. So, good stuff like that. Maven, fantastic channel. And I think he's got the personality, the charisma, the speaking ability, the look. All of it where he could be a contributing member to wrestling in today's world. He could have a whole new run years later in a in a completely different role. And look, he's good. Enough. He could take a bump if he needs to, you know, for a big angle of some kind. You know, get down, get fucking colored up by somebody who's a recluse. Remember when Vader beat the shit out of Gorilla Monsoon, how big that was at that time? I think they could do some really cool stuff. I'm excited to see where Maven's career goes from here, and I'm glad that he's back in the uh, the the zeitgeist of professional wrestling. But let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. There are many iconic storylines from when I was a kid. Of course, there was the NWO, Hulk Hogan, turning into a bad guy. Everybody throwing their trash in the ring. Stone Cold Steve Austin giving his boss a stunner in the middle of the ring. And his boss making his life a living hell. But none more iconic, in my opinion... Then the infamous Choppy Choppy PP. Now, of course, this is not one of the most historical angles of all time, but it is certainly going to go down as one of the most memorable. I don't think history will ever forget the Choppy Choppy PP, and one person who knows that better than anybody is Val Venus himself. Uh, before we get to that clip, though, uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the choppy choppy PP angle, uh, most of you I'm sure are, so just humor me for a quick second. Uh, essentially, Kai and Tai back in the day was a Japanese faction, and their boss was, uh, may or may not have been tied to the Yakuza, the Japanese Mafia. This was during the Vince Russo era, if you couldn't tell already. And Val Venus was banging this guy's daughter. And uh, Val Venus, obviously the dirty porn star who bangs everybody. So uh, was it his daughter or his young wife? I think it was his daughter. So they basically they snatched him up backstage and they took a big katana sword. They had him tied up and he was... You know, his back was to the camera, so you couldn't see the actual incident. But supposedly they put his himself on the table, and he he went down and he hit the he hit the gimmick with the sword, and and Val sold it and and fell down. <laughs> and uh, this was in the era of Lorena Bobbitt, who 
who some of the younger folks might not remember, made the news around that time, maybe a little bit before that, uh, for chopping off her husband's penis. This will come back into play later. So just keep that in the back of your mind. You know, put that in your back pocket. Put his penis in your back. Put his severed penis in your back pocket and just hold that thought. Uh, so this was the angle. And uh, it will go down in pro wrestling infamy. Tie and tie, dragging Val Venus into a room. And wait a minute, King, that's that. It's a chopping block. What are they gonna do here? Watch it, he's got a sword. You don't think that he would? You don't. I, Never to be forgotten. Here's Val Venus talking about said storyline and angle on wrestling shoot interviews with James, the guy who does the Dutch Mantel podcast. James does a lot of great interviews out there. I borrow from him uh, from time to time because he puts out a lot of great content with a lot of interesting people. So appreciate you, James, for letting me sample your clips and not throwing copyright strikes at me like AEW does to Stevie Richards. Uh, but go ahead and check out this clip of Val Venus, Chappy Chappy Pee Pee. Vince Russo and his crew of guys. And it, it just seemed like they had all every week I'd come in and they'd have more the storyline continuing. It just kept going and going. And, uh, you know, they, they were pushing the envelope at the time. And that was what I would consider, you know, fitting the bill for pushing that envelope. Is you know the whole Kai and Ty Valvinus, you know, choppy choppy the PP storyline off. Um, yeah, I remember getting into the arena that that night they told me they were gonna, you know, do the old chopping block thing. And I was like, Are we really putting this on TV? And they're like, <laughs> Yup. And I'm like, Wow, I can't believe that. I was still, I was, you know, I had no issues with it at all. I just couldn't believe we were gonna create it and it was actually gonna go out on TV. I, I was amazed by that. I was like, I can't believe we're really doing this. And uh, when when it actually went out, I was, uh, you know, broadcast and I watched it back. I was like looking at it and I go, man, we created that. And that's an envelope pushing, I guess you could say, memory created for a lot of fans that even to this day, I mean, that's one of the most popular storylines that people come up and speak to me about is the choppy choppy of the PP uh, angle. You know what I mean? So it was. Uh... So, of course, like I said earlier, this was a storyline famously inspired by Lorena Bobbitt, who chopped her husband's dick off in the middle of the night. Her husband by the name of John Wayne. Bobbit. So, of course, if you were Vince Russo, hypothetically, pretend you don't know what happens, right? If you're Vince Russo, I'm going to give you a few things. Guy famously gets his dick cut off in the news. So now you did a storyline about a guy getting his dick cut off. What would you think to do next if you were Vince Russo? If you guessed, bring in the guy who got his dick cut off to be on the show and participate in the storyline, you are correct. You win the pony and the severed dick in a box in a glass case to put up on your shelf. Here's what Val Venus had to say about working with the man himself, the uh, involuntarily 
eunuch man himself. I think they sewed it back on. I think he's functioning. As a matter of fact, I think he did porn for a little bit after. Look, if they chopped it off, can you get them and they're able to reattach it? Can you get them to add more to it? Like, if you're going to reattach it, can you, like, pull it out a little bit further and give me, like, another two or three or four inches? Just just a, just a hypothetical. Cause, I mean, he went and did porn. And at the, no matter what his size was, I mean, there's hypothetically, there's got to be some kind of interest there, right? Just to, as a weird spectacle in, in any event. Just the curiosity factor of... What's this man who's had his dick chopped off by his wife look like while he's fucking a porn star? I don't know. But Vince Russo brought him into the WWF to participate in the choppy choppy PP storyline angle. And uh, Val Venus wasn't too thrilled about it. Check out this clip. Working with John Wayne Bobbitt, of all people, for that one week. Did he even understand what was... Tell me the story. Oh, this guy, I'll tell you, you know, hey, any guy that goes and actually in real life gets the choppy choppy, the PP done. <laughs> hey, I got all the empathy in the world for you. But um, this guy, honestly, it, it like I, I, I got to be fair here. I can't say specifically that he's the dumbest man I've ever met in the world. Because I really, you know, other than what he came in for, you know, the few times with WWE to do some stuff with us, I don't know the guy. But I can tell you this, the several hours that I spent with him backstage, I came to the conclusion this is literally the dumbest human being on the planet. Literally. And you start to get the idea of why his ex-wife would go to the extent of, you know, committing a crime against him like that. But um the only thing I can think of when I think of that man, John Wayne Bobbitt, is the dumbest man I've ever met. I'm glad that Val sees that this storyline was uh, fun and that he doesn't like regret it and think it's stupid. And that uh, people, this is the thing that people bring up to him more than pretty much anything. This will never be forgotten. This is one of those Attitude Era did a lot of silly shit. Had a lot of weird stuff happen over the years. Um, But this will be one of those storylines that will never be forgotten. And quite honestly, this is when wrestling fandom and ratings were at its peak. So how could you criticize it? It's not going to work in today's society. But at the time in that society in the late 90s when everybody was an edgy piece of shit asshole... Choppy Choppy PP was it fit right in. It made perfect sense that the Yakuza mafia lord fucking manager would chop the porn star's dick off with a sword uh, for fucking his daughter and disgracing his family. Makes perfect sense to me in the Jerry Springer era. But what are your thoughts? Let me know down in the comments below. Were you around back then? If you weren't, does it sound interesting? Are you going to go back and watch it now? I highly recommend you do. Choppy, choppy, pee, pee, bro. All day long. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Choppy! 
That's it, y'all. That's all I got for you this week. I uh, was able to get that Ric Flair video up earlier than normal. And I'm really glad that I did. I believe I am the one who broke that story because I am an, a huge Kill Tony fan. I'm not listening to all this shit. I listen to comedy podcasts and stuff like that. You know, when I try to break the tension of the world, I listen to news stuff too and other things that I'm into. But a good part of my listening catalog that's non-wrestling is stand-up comedy. And Kill Tony is... One of my favorites. There's lots of great... I, if you're into stand-up comedy, uh, it's almost a requirement to listen to Kill Tony. I highly recommend you do. You don't got to know who Tony Hinchcliffe is or any of those other... It doesn't matter. Because the idea of the show of just people coming up on the stage randomly doing one minute of comedy. Sometimes they suck. Sometimes they don't. It's cool. It's a cool concept. I listen to the show a lot. And I listen to that Ric Flair. And I, I was eager to get that video out it sucks because i still got a shoot job so i still gotta work a nine to five if you will so there's like a whole day where i could have got something up earlier and I, it's one of the things i hate about this channel uh this podcast is just that i don't have enough time to do it the way that i want to do it i uh you know, would love to be doing, man, I would be doing content all day long. I would spend a significant amount of my day doing content production. I would have side piece videos, and I try to do them where I can, when I can. Uh, you know, and there's definitely more. You know, we could do some tier rankings, do some brackets, do some reviews, reactions. I want to do all that shit. Breakdowns, fantasy stuff. I want to do it all. Top 10 lists. But you only got so much time in the day, you know. And this is my uh, bread and butter, if you will. My main project. So, uh, I am getting so close. If you are a podcast listener, please, for the love of God, show me some love on YouTube anyway. Uh, unless you're just never on YouTube, period, ever, then I get it. But throw me a subscribe. I'm so close to monetization happens at 1,000. I am over 900. We're there, brother. We're right fucking there. I'm so close. I can taste it. Help me get there. Because once this is monetized, I mean, then I can just keep it fucking rolling. I'm not going to get rich overnight. Rich is, so to speak. To, to me, a success. If I can replace my job with my in YouTube income, that's what I want to do. And then I will make more content, better content, invest in better production. Get a two-camera setup. And you can see the side of my face, too, like. This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast Right? Get something fancy like that Invest in editors So I don't have to spend so much time Doing all my own work And I'll probably still do my own thumbnails though Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm picky Somebody else can edit my videos I don't do much editing Basically, you know, I color correct I do an audio touch up and then I'm fucking boom. You know, I don't go in and cut out breaths and stuff like that. I used to. I thought I did for a little bit. You know, you learn the YouTube tricks or whatever. They always say like, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. And man, I just want to sit down, sit in front of a camera and talk to you guys, at least for this show. You know, other shows, other types of shows can do some of that kind of stuff but for something like this i just want to sit down and have a conversation with you guys about said topic 
appreciate you guys hanging out and watching another episode with me here this week. I have a busy shoot life, so I do realize and understand last week did not do an episode. Podcast has been kind of uh, here or there, you know what I mean? Inconsistent on one week, off the next. I get that, but my shoot life is crazy. I work a full-time job. Got two kids. Got other shit going on, too. Like, I'm trying to do it all. I'm trying to do it all, brother. I'm trying to do it all. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm doing the best. I'm sorry. I, I'm not picking my nose. I feel like I got I got a cat. Maybe I got cat hair up my nose. Or maybe I'm one of my mustache hairs. That happens, too. It, like, curls up. Pokes up my nose. And it's bugging the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm just complaining to you guys. I'm sorry. I appreciate you hanging out. I appreciate you watching. Help me get over a thousand subscribers on YouTube. And uh, I will greatly appreciate you there. I'll give you all hand jobs, all 1,000 of you. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy. Maybe not all of you to completion, but I'll at least give everybody a tug, right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you a little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast